Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, Nathan Bell joining me as always. Nathan Bartleball. Nathan, what's going on, man? Hey, Nathan, I'm doing well. Um, it, it, I'm doing just about as well as the last episode. That's uh, right. <laughs> it's another case we're kind of recording back-to-back episodes, which is fun. Yes. Um, yeah, we, um, you know, we, again, we explained in the last episode, we had to miss the one from last week because of uh, storm issues that we were having on. It was really windy around here, uh, kind of some fronts changing in and out. And so it was messing with the internet connection, but we're going to release uh, two of these. So this is the second one that we're releasing uh, today. It is Friday the 17th. We're actually recording Thursday the 16th, but this is releasing Friday the 17th. And uh, we're hoping to to make this a little bit more uh, easy and consistent moving forward. Um, but we spent uh, the entire last episode talking about, you know, things that we had been watching and, you know, hopefully uh, people, you know, giving them ideas and recommendations of things that they can do. And today we're going to be talking about games. And um, I think today, Nathan, we're going to specifically talk about board games, although we may mention a couple video games since, you know, we are still in um, this lockdown and uh, quarantine uh, order. And so we may go ahead and bring up some video games, but I, I do want to mainly go ahead and talk about some of the board games that you've been enjoying and playing with your kids and even just some of the board games that you might recommend to people out there if they're, if they're looking for something. Um, I know for me, the number one game that uh, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about, whether it's, they want to try to get back into it or whether it's uh, they're, they're just starting it up for the first time with their family. And I know for some people this might be controversial, but it's not for me. And so I'm just going to go ahead and say it is uh, Dungeons and Dragons um, or Pathfinder or Starfinder or any kind of version of a tabletop role-playing game. Uh, I know that's kind of the big one out there. Um, and so... Uh, Nathan, what um, you you've done D and D in the past, correct? You've played it before. You and I actually were trying to get Don't something going. Don't you put going. that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you and I were actually trying to get I, a group of guys together to do something more regularly, but things just got crazy and we couldn't do it. Um, but you, you've actually talked quite a bit about trying to do something on a, on a more basic level to get your kids involved. And so talk to me about, you know, what you're trying to do there and what you're trying to get going with them there. Sure. And can I just say, and I don't mean this to be, to be rude. So anyone's listening, I mean, you may have some very reasonable objections to, I get it, but do you find it weird that in, that's what whatever says, I'm not trying to be rude, but <laughs> that's right. let me just go right but here. here I go anyway. Um, not, not rude, but I, I, do you find it odd that in 2020 we are still like, we are still putting a caveat on something like Dungeons and Dragons, a role-playing game, which is essentially people getting together and pretending to be yeah. dwarves and elves <laughs> and and running through dungeons, stabbing slimes with swords, and that other than it being incredibly dorky, which it kind of right. is, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, you own it, you know, when you do it. That's right. That aside from that, do you find it odd that we are still having to put a caveat on the idea that it is not evil, it is not a portal to another world, right. it is not an invitation to wear your neighbor's face or whatever? You know, it's just not like right. – 
it ain't a deal. Yeah, I I do find that um, I I find it not so much odd. I find it sad, particularly because everything that surrounds the um, just say the nineteen eighties evangelical churches objections to Dungeons and Dragons came around lies and myths. It actually had nothing to do with the truth of circumstances and and situations that were going on at the time. And so to me, I think that's the saddest part is that a lot of these things were built up around that. And instead of people taking the time uh, to do the research and actually say, okay, what actually went on here? What happened in this situation, in this circumstance to cause this uprising? They just decided to go along with it. A lot of um, misinformation. Yeah, so, exactly. But, but I think we should put out there just to say, you know, I, while it was definitely a problem and is still a problem in some ways to some of the, you know, the evangelical movement, I definitely think it probably originated there. They weren't the only ones freaking out. My memory of the 80s was that they weren't the only ones freaking out. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it seemed to be a general panic that it was doing something. There's even, there's a, I, I don't want to, you know, we're going to talk board games and I jump back into movies, but I believe on Amazon prime right now, there's an old movie and Nathan, have you ever seen it? It Stars Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, very early Tom Hanks movie called mazes and monsters. I have not seen it. Uh, Zach, when he was on the podcast, he and I talked about doing a, uh, a Skype watching of it. And so we were going to sit down and watch it together and videotape our reactions to it. We just never got to it, but yes, I am aware. And you and I should do that. We (laughs) we just, Fight him back if he wants to. We need to or do a live. You know, have you noticed people doing viewing parties on on YouTube? Yes, now? yes. We should maybe do that. Maybe we could set it up. I'd, I'd probably get lazy and not do it. But let's. Uh, <laughs> do you want to see if we can? Yeah, I think we should. I agree. I think I think we should see if we can do that. Yeah, if it's viable because that movie. It deals it, you're expecting a kind of fun, like almost Jumanji esque. Oh, we're going into the board game, but it's really kind of about the dangers. It's almost an after school special about the dangers of of, of playing role playing games. Dra- yeah, yeah, yeah. Mazes in this case, mazes and monsters because right. no one wants to get sued, right? But <laughs> um, because that's worse than you know getting sucked into a fantasy world. But now you know, I played a little bit when I was in. A high school, and I never, even as a kid, and I think my family also didn't take it very seriously, the idea that there was anything wrong with it, other than it looked kind of nerdy. Right. <laughs> but, but we were so steeped in reading fantasy novels and stuff like that, that it was obvious. And my kids, they love using their imaginations, and that's, we've come to realize that that's the benefit of the role-playing game, right? That yes. it's not just, yes. and you guys have probably talked about this in your episode, I haven't got around to the episode that you and Zach did, but it is an opportunity to engage in imagination nation with your kids in reality role-playing games you don't really you can do this without it but it provides you a structure it provides somebody a basic template that they can a world that they can get in explore and have fun with yes and it's escapism and it's no different escapism than a lot of other things that people do and it it, in a way it's a board game without some of the rules and giving your children a chance to interact with a little more i say children but it doesn't have to be children you know in this that's what I'm trying to provide is an opportunity. And so I bought at Christmas time, I bought the very basic like Dungeons and Dragons um, starter beginner set. I'm trying to adapt that for, for kids. 
and to make a to make something that is basically approaching Dungeons and Dragons, it won't be the real deal. Uh, you offer me some maps and things that I'm going to use. I a, a couple years ago, I bought this giant tub of of monsters. You know, yes, like yes. little. They're actually perfect. I've been sitting here actually holding one in my hand the whole time, uh, the whole last podcast. A little spider. I've been moving it around. Um, and it's uh, they're they're classic monsters. Most of them you have like they're little ones of like Frankenstein and Wolfman and Godzilla and Mothra and all these little little creatures. And uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, they're they're perfect for like a D and D game board. And I'm adapting the creatures there too to kind of give it the the kids really love like the classic monsters. So we're giving it a monsters flair, but it's going to follow the general quests that that appear there. But I you guys did an episode a few uh, back a few episodes before this whole thing came apart, uh, <laughs> this whole thing, meaning the world, right. uh, <laughs> the world before broke. all this sort of came about yeah. the episode about Netflix. You remember the, you oh, did yeah. it with uh, Ted yep. and I heard that was, it was a good episode. And you know, this point being, again, it's like that people want to avoid doing some of these things that are very good, interactive, even bonding experiences, with with people and sometimes people who have a difficulty expressing themselves in other contexts can get into games like this a, 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 a kid in their family might be able to express themselves a little bit more through something like this so i think there's a lot of cool opportunities to engage in this to really uh have some good quality family time not not the game itself but the doors and the inroads that the game allows. It gives you something to do where you're not in that immediate mode of, I'm the parent, I'm trying to school you, I'm trying to teach you things, I'm trying to keep you from dying, you know, that relate, and you're the kid and you have to listen to, you, it's not that the barriers fall down, but it just allows a different, like, form of relating. And I think, that's one of the values of being able to sit around and play a board game or engage in things, um, whether it's with kids or not with your kids. Yeah. No, I agree. And in the format of D&D specifically and in, in the role-playing fantasy, it, it allows for mediums like Zoom. You know, I mean, I'm sitting I really here. Wanna, what's that? Yes, really want to do that. Like, yeah. I think that that's going to be, you know, paramount for keeping some friendships alive. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it really, it's a good format to, to really bring in and, and do that on. And so I think, I think it's worth, you know, exploring and actually, you know, uh, and obviously, you know, individual families are going to, you know, decide what they're going to do and not going to do. But, you know, I would encourage families to actually just look into it and look and see what's out there. And I mean, they, they have all kinds of role playing things out there. There's a star Wars role playing game that you can get into and, uh, you know, all sorts of things that are, are out there that you can incorporate. Really, the basic premise is you're on a quest. There's something out there. You're trying to accomplish it. And the person who is the, the game master is telling the story and allowing his players or her players to go through this quest and achieve the goal of the story. And the characters have things that they can do and... I mean, it, it's just, it's a fun storytelling medium that allows, uh, I mean, it, it, it really involves several skills. I mean, there are critical thinking skills in there. I mean, there, it's not just like, oh, there's no right and wrong choice. No, you could choose to go left and fall into a pit and die um, or right and, and continue along your path. I mean, so there are, there are critical thinking choices involved and and it's fun. It really is fun. It gives 
children and adults an opportunity to use their imaginations, to role play, to act, you know, to become your character. Um, I don't, I don't know if you remember Nathan, but when we were playing with my brother-in-law, he was this weird, like gnome goblin thing. And so he, you know, came in with this crazy, funny voice that he had developed for it. And, um, you know, just, just a fun time to, to be with people and, and to, um, and to talk and to play and to bond. Yeah. And it was, it was, it's a lot of fun. It was fun when I was growing up. It's still fun now. And it, it is a little bit of escapism in a time when, uh, you know, we could use a little bit of that, but it has, it's interactive escapism, which is a little different than a movie or something like that. And I think the board game, uh, Aesthetic can be there. And, and let me also say, you know, again, if you're not into Dungeons and Dragons, because Dungeons and Dragons has more stigma than just that it's evil. Like I said, some people are like, well, that's for nerds, or right. that's for, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want swords and dragons. There's, as you mentioned, there's a lot of different role playing games out there. I'm going to mention something. No, I haven't got this one yet. I think I, if, if my efforts to do this that I'm trying right now to adapt the D&D don't work out, there's a, it looks like a really cool game for kids that's a, designed to be a kind of storytelling with role-playing elements game. It's called Stuffed Fables, and it seems to be in the context of this, you play these sort of uh, like bedtime toys, like stuffed animals and characters that come together in this fantasy world and kind of go on a quest together. And it's it's aimed at children, but it is it's a pretty it's a pretty hefty uh, price tag on it because I think it's a full blown game. It's a fifty dollars some game, and it's a it's it's encouraging kids to begin a story together and bring their own elements in and build the story. And it I think it uses the the basic mechanics that we've come to be familiar with D and D as a basis and moves from there and does something that's a little more adaptable and a little bit more palatable for a young audience nice in the last episode uh, the one that uh will also be dropped at this time so it depends on which one you listen to first i talked about an amazon tv show that just came out called tales from the loop yep. as it uh, based off of a uh, swedish fantasy painter did a whole set of illustrations now a year or two ago before this tv series was created and it's a science fiction anthology story a role-playing series was created based off of, of Tales from the Loop. And it was set specifically kids in the 1980s in a science fiction world going on quests. And it basically Stranger Things, the, the role-playing game. Nice. Uh, that's the way that the, the version – and it, it's tailored these characters to be – you really kind of get the feel for who these characters are both socially and individually as you play the role-playing game. And the sequel I think was called Things from the Flood – it's also which it, which deals a little more horror, but it's still kind of sci-fi and fantasy. And I I know that a year or so ago D and D released a kind of like Stranger Things role playing game, yes. but it yeah. really just turned out that it was it was a very basic like role play. It wasn't Stranger Things role playing game. It was the role playing game campaign that the kids in Stranger Things actually play. Yes. So it's a little bit disappointing, I think, in that regard. It wasn't a lot to it. I think particularly for like the $19 or $14 price tag, it didn't seem particularly worth it. So I would recommend those two for people who are really into the role playing and like, what can we do next? The the Tales in the Loop and Things from the Flood. And then if you're someone who wants to get the kids into it, I think Stuffed Fables is a good option. 
Yeah. And and that's another great thing to bring up, Nathan, is those storytelling adventures, because there's um, there's a game that I have called Legend of Dragonholt, which is it's a story based. adventure. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, so there's not there there aren't these high stake roles and uh you know it's it's the story that is the game itself. So you're not rolling die to see if you you know attack and stab. It, it's it's your storytelling together and the way that that um, I mean it's all structured. You know, so very similar concept. It is in a world. It is structured. And you're working together to create your story of, of this, this world, this Dragonholt world. And so, you know, there are different quests that you go on and depending on, you know, choosing right or left, you open certain, uh, envelopes that give you certain clues to go other places and things like that. But it's more of a laid back story time adventure. As yeah, opposed the benefit to- is you don't have to explain those kind of complex mechanics. Yes. Yes. That that we kind of take for granted, like oh, I'm gonna make my character, I'm gonna have the dice. Like that's a very that's a very steep hill for a very young person to overcome. Yes. Who who wants who wants to experience the adventures? Who wants to to, to be involved in the parts where they get to have the ma- the magical fights? But then all that you know, math and everything else that comes along right. with it. Uh, right. These these sorts of games that you're talking about kind of strip that away a little bit. They kind of level the curve. It's not the people who don't enjoy. The, the 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 big role playing games that, that operate with those mechanics they're still out there for you but this is a middle ground so it's not as daunting I think it's a nice like training wheels yeah yeah and I would agree exactly that it's a nice training wheels and it's a nice opportunity and again the great thing about these games is whether you're talking about the story based games or the role playing based games is that they're they're games that you can bring the whole family around the table and play together you know they're games that you're working together and playing together. Um, I, I have friends who, uh, I believe it was two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, it was, it was two weeks ago. They got together and they, their oldest son created a, a D and D campaign. It was a one-off campaign. And so they all sat down around the table and played it together. And so we were getting pictures of, you know, them creating their characters and their backstories and then playing this game. And, um, you know, the mom, uh, kept texting cause we were supposed to have a conversation with her and, she kept texting, we're still playing, we're still playing. Finally, 8 o'clock at night, they were done. And, you know, she's like, it was really fun, but it's really long. And, and it can be, you know, it, it all depends on how you play it and, and, you know, where you leave off and things. But but it, it is a game that brings people together. These really, unlike a game like Monopoly, where I, I think there have been more fights in my house over Monopoly than anything else. <laughs> right, no kidding. You know, uh, th- this is a game that bonds people and brings them together because you're working toward a common goal with one another. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that that's one of the things that's cool. And you and I have talked a little bit we probably kind of go into that a little uh a little bit more which is that the cooperative game can offer a lot particularly for families that there can be some tension and yeah younger players my wife and i encounter this where it's like do you really want to crush your kid's spirit on day 10 of quarantine <laughs> right. in, a, in a board game or to buy extra for maybe you do maybe that's how you get your 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 fun right. but um <laughs> I'm not judging, but you know what we find is sometimes the kids invested so much time in this game, and then they're like, "Okay, well, now here's the point where I either I either just kind of pretend like I'm asleep and not making choices, <laughs> or I or what we usually do is try to make it so that that one child and and I 
are on one team and that my wife and another child are on another team. And so we can, we, you know, we can still play competitively because we're helping each other out there and the kids learn the game better that way. But the nice thing about some of the cooperative games and one we just got over Christmas time, uh, again, got some of these things without knowing we'd be probably playing them quite a bit. It's a game called Ghostbusting Treasure Hunters, which yeah. I kind of got just because it looked cool and fun and had a Ghostbusters sort of theme on it. Not Now, it's not like Ghostbusters, the franchise, but, you know, it's a cool game. It, the look of it reminded me of Clue, the way it's set up with the different like rooms of the mansion and it kind of like, a lot of cheesy eighties, like board games. I don't know if you remember anywhere you would go through yep. the mansion. Yeah. And this one, uh, is a lot of fun. It's cooperative. It was very similar to a couple of games you had brought over. You enjoy brought over, uh, again, pre quarantine around, uh, right. around the new year. That, <laughs> like, and one of them, this particular one is, you know, you are, you're going into the mansion, you all work together, you have to get the coins and then leave them, you get the treasure back outside and you have to get all the treasure out before all the house, all the rooms become haunted. So you can also fight the ghost, but you have to do it cooperatively, cooperatively and together. And it does help the kids kind of understand this concept of, oh, I can get all my coins out, but if I'm not helping you, we're all going to lose because right. the ghost will eventually overrun us. I think it's really fun. It's got that kind of, the kind of fun pseudo creepy vibe to it but it's not creepy to play you know it's just yes. fun and uh you did you you played that one with us i believe right yes yep that was that was one that we all played uh together i think we were playing that one with uh it was yumi and johnny were playing that one and joy yeah. izzy and jen were playing uh was it the clue junior or something like that they were playing yeah clue, clue junior yep so and that's a hard one because they're like johnny's trying to guess and he's marked his sheet all up and you're like, what have you done to this? Right. Like a, he's trying to ask questions. And his sheet, he he knows what he should ask, but his sheet is a hot mess. And you're like, oh man. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, and and again, like you said, you know, the cooperative games too. You can go anywhere in age range. So you know that that uh, ghost hunting treasure game that you have, you know, is for a little bit of a younger audience, and then. You know, I remember that same night the kids went to bed and then you, uh, Jen, Joy, and I broke out uh, a Forbidden uh, forbidden Desert. And we were we were playing that one, which is a cooperative one. And, which operates uh, off of the same basic mechanic yes. uh, with, with some twists. And, and what is cool about the younger games is they played the ghost hunting game enough and they've started to play some other games that they're getting to a point where it's like they'd be almost ready for that game, the forbidden game. And I think that's yes. what's cool about playing games is when you get a younger person into it, they can advance through it pretty quickly. I mean, in the time since we've been in quarantine, my kids have really adapted to board games. Like they have been digesting them and, and, and getting better at them to the point that we've jumped. You know, my kids, if I look at a game now on the shelf and it says 10 plus, I'm okay putting it out for my six and eight year old. Yep. And, and that's, and that's really the key is, you know, the, the understanding of the game. And so there are a lot of games out there that work with those basic mechanics that allow you to jump up into the older ones once they understand those and master those. And so, you know, um, I mean, you know, a completely, uh, fun game that was totally unironic before, uh, this all happened. Pandemic was, uh, you know, one. I was going to bring that up. Um, that's a really good game. And is. strangely though, I feel like I want more government officials to play it like, yes. because, because <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong here and I very well might be, but I feel like what was, what was very um, interesting about that game is it was visually able to give you a feel for what, how things get out of hand. Yes. For the idea of 
of when we look at resources versus the ability to curb or quell something and then how quickly something spreads, like yeah. what, what it really means for something to get out of hand. You just watch this happen. And I remember playing the game way back when I didn't think anything like this would probably happen to us in the current day, which again, a slight thing to think, why would we be, you know, um, immune to this? But the, the way the game plays, you, you get a feel for this is getting out of hand, you right. know, you get a feel for what it's like to be overwhelmed with very few choices to your your hand. I think it's a cool game, and I think it would be kind of a fun. You know, we were talking about an episode or two ago. Zach was expressing why anyone would want to watch Contagion movies, but it seems like everybody's watching Contagion movies right, right now. Right. So, pandemic is probably a good choice in the sense that you know uh, it's probably going to be less anxiety provoking than watching Outbreak or Contagion. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, I can't <laughs> do that right now, but. You know, the other thing is the 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 pandemic game is very fun, and again, you get that cooperative sense. Is it a pan- pandemic cooperative, I think it is. It it's is. Been yes. Sometimes it's a played. Yeah. Yeah, and it's cooperative. But I think the thing about cooperative, because some some people hear cooperative, and I think they think like non challenging. Right. Or they think right. that it's not competitive, and it's totally competitive. Um, again, if you play something like Ghostbusting Treasure Hunter and you're a 20 year old, it's going to be you know you, you don't have to sweat it too bad. Right. But a game like because because it's aimed at, at younger, yeah, but kids, there are very yeah, yeah there are variants on that game that do change how it's played and up the challenge level. So you could, as an older player, still get some value out of it. Just at the very base setting, it's aimed for young kids. But a game like The Forbidden Desert, I mean, that is a very com- that was a very challenging game. Yep. Uh, not, not very challenging, not like in the same sense you think of like a video game is going to be challenging. But the level of challenge, the level of competition there where you're com- competing really against the clock in that case yep. is there. But the cooperative part is nice because there's not an opportunity for you to be at somebody's throat really. Right. I mean unless you're like, you do it, you kill this all. Right, um, right. You know, for the <laughs> part. There is that thing that you're right. And I think when you're talking about small groups of friends, that's probably not an issue. But like the family after Thanksgiving or the family in quarantine on day 10, it is nice not to have to think that, you know, you got to deal with anger or tears or the cold shoulder. Right. Of- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Too funny. Too funny. Uh, so Nathan, what other uh, what other games are you digging on uh, while you guys um, have been in quarantine here? Well, we have. There's a couple that we play. This one is a competitive game. It's a lot of fun. You pro- you may have heard of it. It's called Ticket to Ride mm-hmm. and Building Train Lines. And my son was really big into trains. He's still a little bit, but not as much as he used to be. But we have about Ticket to Ride Junior and. It's a really fun game. It's kind of easy to learn, and it's fun to get involved with. And while it is competitive, it uh, you can kind of block people as you build your uh, build your rails. It's it, there's a lot to do in it, and it's easy to pick up. You know, nice. relative easy to pick up. Have you ever played it, Nathan? I have. Yeah, we actually uh, Joy and I do own it. Um, so Joy and I are kind of interesting in some of the games that her and I prefer uh, very, uh, you know, uh, differently. So Ticket to Ride is more her style and speed of game, um, not so much mine. But I have played it and I have enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, and I think it depends. It's definitely more in what I think we, if we were defining all of this, we would call them at the European slant of games. So yes. people who enjoy like the Settlers of Catan and Carcassonne and games of that nature would probably kind of gravitate towards a game 
like uh, Ticket to Ride. Yep. There's a, uh, there's a fun game that you gave, you enjoy gave me, I think, for my birthday a year or two ago called uh, Organ Donor. Yes. I think Organ Donor yep. is the name. That, that game is a lot of cr- crazy fun. It's not it's not an European style like resources game. Neither is it a, you know a kind of role playing or work your way through kind of game. It's um it's definitely more almost card driven. Yep. A card driven game and it's fun. I like it a, I like it a lot. It's definitely very like um idiosyncratic. There's nothing quite like it exactly. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I feel like it's you can you can see the games that influenced it. But it is a very fun game. It's a very weird kind of kooky game. It's a lot like there's the there's another board, uh, card game called a Bonanza. I think it's a German game. Also, people kind of recognize it as the Bean Game, where you're like a bean farmer. Have you yes. ever played this game? Yes, I have. That's yep. another fun game. So I think games like Organ Donor and Bonanza, they're games that fall within that. That they're not as easily identifiable, but they kind of seem to have grown out of that offshoot of of card games. Yes. And so that's really fun. A card game I really like, and I haven't played in a few years, um, but I have a copy of it here. It's called uh, Dominion. Have you ever played Dominion? Yes, Dominion is a good one. Yes, that is a card. Uh, that is a deck building card game. Yeah, it's a deck building card game. It's not like if you're thinking, if your mind goes to something like Magic or something, which is a collectible card game. Right. It's not that. Right. But it's a very, it is deck building game, and it's very. But it also has elements of the resource-driven game a little bit yes. in it. You know, you're trying yeah. to develop things, and it uses the cards as a dynamic. And I actually find it preferable to some of those other games. I enjoy it a little more than a Settlers of Catan or something like that because of the card building or the deck building element to it. Yeah, yeah. There's another genre within that as well, which is dice building. Um, so I have I have a couple games that rely on dice building. So you know you you go through different scenarios and you lay out uh, different. Uh, cards or dice based on you know random draws and things like that, and you're trying to build up your pool in order to uh, have you know have the strongest resources there, either to do battle or to build and to and to upgrade and things like that. And so you're right; those those types of games are fun. The thing with the deck building is that it is a little bit um, less random than the dice. So the dice uh, can be a little more random because you not only have the randomness of the roll, but then you have the randomness of the draw on top of that, where in this case with the cards, it's just the randomness of the draw that you get right now. Right. And so, and and I think those games would be fun. And I think the main thing kind of what we're saying here is it's all about sort of like testing out to see what you, um, what kind of game you like and then find, you know, you can kind of get that style. We have a lot of different, different, uh, kinds of games that we enjoy. Um, have you played a game called betrayal on the house on the hill? I have I think not. That's the name of it. I have not. It is one that I did. I have wanted to play, but I haven't played it yet. That's a very interesting game because it takes the haunted house kind of style. We were talking about, with like something like the ghost busting treasure hunters and the early stages of playing it aren't unlike that where you're kind of looking for our certain objects and stuff within a house. You are playing it cooperatively for several turns and then the house is kind of throwing obstacles at you. But at some point somebody becomes the monster mm. and, but it's not identified who that person is. Right. And so that at that point, the other people involved, 
end up in a in a scenario where they're sort of like I, I think the concept is maybe you have like a collar that will explode and kill you, <laughs> and you have a chance to roll and either expose the monster. Uh, every turn, someone's someone's number comes up, and if you don't roll or do the thing you need to do to avoid, boom, you're dead just like that. And it is so sudden that it is very shocking and jarring, just like it would be in a horror movie if someone suddenly just exploded. Right. Because you're out of the game. You are completely done. You can be in a position where you might be two minutes from winning the game. You're set up. You're in for the long haul. The, the pace of the game is such. You're like, oh, I could be here for another 40 minutes. Boom. You're not. You're gone. You're gone. Done. Yeah. Go, go get a sandwich. And the, that sort of tension continues for like the rest of the game. And you have an opportunity to oust who the betrayer is, but they, they'll, they'll try to play – They'll try to pit other people against you, you know, just so you don't you you're not figuring out who it is. Um, so that one's a lot of fun. I only I've only played it once, and I was the first person to be killed. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I really enjoy that one. That's a very that's a quality game. That one's for a little bit older audience. Uh, not not really because the content, but just it's a little. Uh, and that is that's one that I can see people getting frustrated with. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's neat because it has that element. It's, it's elements of clue, and it, that wrinkle there is it that you're all on the same team until you're not. Right, right, yeah. Which is, which is kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, that that kind of falls under lines of like semi cooperative games, uh, and there's there's a few of them that I enjoy playing that are uh, not quite like that, but they have similar dynamics where. You have a group of people who are working together. Um, there's uh, one called – I can't remember if it's called Interpol or Scotland Yard uh, where you basically have a map of London and along the way you have different stopping points. And one person is the thief and everyone else are uh, is uh, oh, the police. Oh, yeah. I think that is – Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard, right? Yard. yeah. I think I think that's yeah. what it is. And so um, you know, everyone is ganged up trying to catch the thief, and the thief gets a certain amount of moves uh beyond what Scotland Yard has, and then they also only have certain points where they kind of pop up on the map of where they're located to identify where they are. Well, there's another game that's similar to that. Uh, that the makers of Scotland Yard um, did called Jurassic Park, which takes place after the movie where uh, one person is the dinosaurs and then everyone else are the people. And so the people are running around trying to hide, trying to dodge the dinosaurs. And then the person who's playing the dinosaurs has certain moves and certain things that they're allocated where they're chasing the other people. And so those semi-cooperative Did you games, enjoy that one, Nathan? Because I've been thinking of getting that one for a while, the Jurassic it is, yeah. It's a, it's a fun one to get into, and um, again, if if you have someone, um, particularly with um, you know you and your kids, so if you or your um, wife are are with the kids, helping them out maneuver, you know, uh, either the people or the dinosaurs, it can be a really fun one to play with a group of people, um, you know, and and it, and it's nice because. You know, if you enjoy that scenario where you think you're more clever than than the other people at the table, then it, it it's kind of a fun one to play to just see if that's true or not. Um, so those are you know those are definitely fun ones that that kind of cat and mouse feel in the game itself. And it looks like Ravensburger is the company that made both Scotland Yard and. Welcome to Jurassic Park, the Jurassic yes. Park game. Yes, that is correct. And uh, 
I think like it was it also like. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say I think I think it was Ravensburger, but I think the person who um, uh, who developed the game developed both of them as well. Oh yeah, that, that may be the case. I just see that the same company put them put them both out. Yeah. Um, and it looks like it retails for about like sixteen ninety nine, seventeen, which is not yeah. bad, honestly, for a board game. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, you know, as we're talking about, you know, the value and level of entertainment that we're looking to um, get out of something, you know, I always kind of break it down into the term of enjoyment and hours played, you know. And so when I look at a game, if I've paid $30 for a game and, you know, I've put 30 hours into the game, well, I just – I paid a dollar an hour for entertainment. And, and to me that – you know, that makes something worth it. You know, what are you going to put in and get out of it? And everyone has their own criteria of what they're willing to spend on entertainment and enjoyment. So I think, you know, those are all things that as individuals we look at in base. And so, you know, price points um, are really going to to vary based on uh, what you think. You know, I mean, a lot of great games um, – and this is kind of a risky proposition. You go to Kickstarter, and Kickstarter has a lot of great developments and games. And there's a game that I just dropped uh, over $200 on to get it when it releases called Frosthaven. It's the sequel to Gloomhaven. Um, I've spent a number of hours playing Gloomhaven. I enjoy it. And so I'm willing to drop that money because I know I'm going to get just as much out of the sequel as I, as I did the first one. And so, you know, those are... Kickstarters are great ways to get in on groundbreaking games and and people who are doing some really neat things with um, coming up with entertainment. I got a couple of card games, uh, unique card games off of Kickstarter, and they were and it was only you know uh, twenty bucks for for two decks, and you know so uh, there are definitely options out there of you know what am I interested in and what are people doing out there that is going to make this worth it. I think a couple months ago I posted about the Batman animated series game. Did you see that, Nathan, when I posted that? I did. It looked it looked pretty cool too. It looked pretty neat. Yeah, and and these developers, IDW, had done a Ninja Turtles game. It was, you know, an officially licensed Ninja Turtles game and I looked up how that one did and the reviews and um, they were good reviews. And so I went in on the Batman one as well. Um, thinking, you know, that when that comes out, I'm going to really enjoy that one. And I enjoy the miniatures and the scenarios and those things. And so I think I'll really enjoy that one when that comes out. Um, but, you know, these are these are things to to look at, you know, obviously with something like Kickstarter, you have to think about you're thinking more long term and future. Uh, it's it's not immediate. Um, but, you know, those are things that this, I think, what we're going through now, I think for some families is going to set up a habit and a standard for something that's, that's coming in the future, you know, or at least I, I hope so. I hope this isn't just a one-off. Oh yeah. We're spending time together as a family playing games. And then when this is over, we're not. Um, I, I hope that families will, will be able to open up and play uh, more games moving forward, even after this is all done. Yeah, because I think it is a very cool thing, and it's a it's a great way to to have kind of bonding time, particularly in the evenings or in a situation like this where you know you can go out of the house, but you're going to end up spending time, particularly in the evenings, probably not not outside the house, you know. Yes. And uh, 
for us, it's been a time to kind of slow down and really be able to interact more with each other. We've really been enjoying that. Um, so I did want to go back because I wonder, it sounds like you've played a decent number of the Ravens, Burger, the company that makes these games. Mm-hmm. And I, I see a couple of them. And I see them all the time like in Target and stuff, or I did when I was going into Target, right. that uh, looked – that looked interesting, but I never played them. So I was wondering if you had played some of them. And some of these are things like uh, Villainous. Have you played Villainous? Are you familiar with this? This is the Disney. I think it's yes. a cooperative game with the Disney characters. Yes, I actually just got that for um, for my birthday this year. I have not had a chance to play it yet, but I did just get it. So I'm hoping to be able to break that out soon, and Joy and I can play it uh, in the next uh, few days here. Yeah, so I think that that's one that looked really that looked fun. Uh, by the same, they do that. They also did a Jaws game. Yes. Ravensburger does. Yep. I don't know if you played that. It looks similar to the Jurassic Park game in yep. structure. Yep. Uh, other one they've done is um, oh, uh, horrified is the name of it, but or horrified, I think. But yes. it's not like uh, – it's the classic Universal Monsters. I'm really interested in that one. I think that would be a cool one to play where it looks like it's a cooperative game where you are pitted against the Universal Monsters. So I think it's horrified, but it's not like – it's the classic black and white monsters. It's yes. not like we're not talking about slaughter or anything like right. that. Right, and that one I think is probably their most recent one that came out uh, – I, I think just like this past holiday season is when it came out. So I have not played that one, but I agree that one looks enjoyable as well. They they tend to do a good job with these kind of cooperative or semi-cooperative games. And it seems like they make games that are such that um, – and actually, if you if you were to get it through something like Amazon Prime, I'm seeing Amazon Prime has a copy of the game here for like 31 bucks with, yeah. with free delivery. So – um, that's not too bad. Again, I think if you're talking about board games, that's not a bad price for a board game, uh, even when you're kind of just taking a chance on it, unless you, you know. But there's a place, there's a website I use a lot called Board Game Geek. Have yes. you ever been yep. to Board Geek? That's a very good resource, I would say, that if you're like, I want to get into a board game, but I really don't know much about it, uh, they'll have almost all the board games. In fact, like random, obscure, like the Bigfoot game from back in yeah. the 70s. Uh, some game that you've never really thought much of, you know, it'll be on there along with the new ones. And they usually have a very, they have a very like systematic breakdown when they do like a game. Like yep. usually you can find like you can browse and they'll tell you, you can find some information about it. So I think that that's a good way to, um, that's one way you can kind of check them out. But if you put most of these things in, you're going to find a review somewhere. Yes. There are a lot of people out who have web review pages or blogs that talk about uh, ratings of these board games. And again, you have to take into account that everybody's taste is sometimes different. But you can get a pretty good feel, just like you do you're researching a video game. What is it like? What's the intended audience? What's the challenge level? Uh, am I going to get my money's worth out of it? And again... It varies. Some people really love a game like Gloomhaven. I, I tend to like Gloomhaven, but there are people who who don't like it for some of the re- same reasons I like it. You know. Yes. So yeah. it it all sort of depends. Um, but yeah, those are some those are some good ones. Uh, and I'm trying. To, I mean, there's so many out there you can discuss. Oh, yeah. uh, again, the card. There's the card games, and I know you and I have played a decent amount of. Um, 
the problem with collectible card games, of course, is that it's just like a money pit, right? Oh yeah. Like uh, <laughs> typically speaking, now that but the same reason that it's money pit is the same reason that the yeah, kids kind of get into it. It's funny because my son has been big into Pokemon for quite a bit. I know you've played Yu Gi Oh. You talked about we did a podcast I think once where you talked a little bit about Yu Gi Oh, yeah. um, Nathan. And I ex- kind of expected Johnny to kind of move from Pokemon to that, but he ended up getting kind of interested since he'd been in the house. We had some decks sitting around of like. Magic the Gathering card yep. game, uh, which also people back in the day associated with the devil. Right. But um, <laughs> it again, a collectible card game. It's uh, it, it's sort of you're having a battle and you have you're pulling all these resources together and new fantasy creatures and things like that. And the thing that I enjoy that I'm coming to enjoy about these games because. The problem I always had was, wow, I don't have enough money to make a really good deck, right? Yeah. I can't get this together. I've got to sink all this money before I can really play this thing. And then by the time I'm playing it, I'm playing it with somebody who's like, you know, all they do is eat food and buy magic cards. Right. And so not like not that they'll lose eat, but, you know, that their money goes towards shelter and food and magic. Right. And uh, so and sometimes that's the way it is a collectible card game. What I like about both of them now, the kind of level the playing field, is that both of those games have online free versions of themselves that you can play with other players online. Both yes. Pokemon, they're the way my son has learned the game. My son has learned to play Magic. He's pretty good at it. Now we sit here and we can play. He's into collecting the cards now, and I've got stuff so I can kind of give them to him and get him involved. And the Magic... Uh, the gathering has uh, mtg arena you look it up and you can download it onto your computer and then you can play matches and you can build decks and you can win packs and stuff without ever spending a single cent yeah and yeah. it re- it kind of has leveled the playing field and i think made yeah thank you johnny johnny's just come up here to me and he's like don't forget that icoria which is the new set has just come out today nice. and johnny's super excited about it because the variant cards in this set which deal around giant monsters they've released an entire set of Godzilla cards in that set. Oh, so you have Godzilla great. and Dora and Mothra, and uh, they all have variant cards. Um, so he's really excited about that. And he's probably going to pester me to get off here soon so we can play it on <laughs> uh, Arena. But you can download it. You can play with others. You can find friends on there and play. And it's another way to kind of keep in contact. They, they also have an option where you can kind of text each other and message each other and talk that way. And they just put their new set out so you can go in there and there's lots of challenges, lots of things. If you, if you do this number of things, you'll get 500 coins. You use those coins to purchase packs and you can build your deck without spending anything. Nice. And it, it's a really great way for people to learn because the game is going to force you through the steps. So if you're a younger player who's having a hard time focusing, trying to learn the rules of a Pokemon or a Magic the computer will force you to and you will over time sort of learn the rules. So anyone who's who's taken that and looked at it yeah the problem is most of the kids who will get into these things will then want to maybe collect the cards but you know again financially speaking you're probably not going to be dumping a bunch of money right into any of these things but i do like that that with our where we are uh with virtual versions of things the games like this i don't know if Yu-Gi-Oh's got a a, a similar they thing do going. yep yep uh, it, it's pretty pretty neat because I feel like you get the full experience. If I and I, you know, when I do play it, I just do I play it online, the virtual version, you know. And uh, you can keep your cards, you can create a library of cards, you can do all those things, but you don't have boxes of stuff sitting <laughs> sitting everywhere, right. and you haven't dropped any money on it. You can spend money, but it is not remotely required or necessary. Yep, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and that and that is so true. I mean, in in the world we live in today, it is so easy with with games to be able to stay connected with people um and, and do things. We just had a game sibling night um this past Tuesday night with my wife's uh siblings. We all got together on Zoom and we played uh categories online. And so uh, we were able to, on Zoom, share the online category screen, which had the letter for everyone, and uh, we were able to set the timer. And then when you hit go, all the options, uh, all the little topics come up that you've got to fill the letter in. And so we were able to all do that together online with one another. Um, and so you know, being able to do that with Yu-Gi-Oh! or with uh, Magic or with Pokemon connecting with others in your area. I mean, and that's, that's really the point of these games is, you know, the, the point of the tournaments, you go out and you get good and you win, but it's connecting with other people. You start to see the same people at these tournaments. And so getting online would be the same thing, starting to see the same people or even getting your group of friends together to go on and do these things can really help keep you connected and stay connected during this time where you are distant from one another. Um, and, and that was one of the things that my sister-in-law said after we got done playing. She was like, hey, guys, let's not stop this after the quarantine's up. Let's, let's keep doing this and let's try to make this you know, a, a weekly or a biweekly thing where we get together and we play these games. So you know, the, the hope is you know, board games are trying to you – know, the, the whole thing was bringing the family together – you know, under, under these games. And so hopefully this is an opportunity where, where parents can reconnect and rediscover these things with their children. You know, the games that you enjoyed growing up, even the monopolies and the risks and the games that, you know, make you want to flip over the table, you know, those have, you know, elements of um, just enjoyment and fun with them as well, even in their competitive nature. So yeah, yeah, I agree. They have their place, the trash can. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I love, I love playing Risk and things like that. I had a, the last thought I have, and I don't think of anything else, Nathan. And I think again, this can be much like the other pieces, a continuing series. I think we're going to definitely be getting into episodes that have themes, just like these good elevens always done. But I think we will probably keep this going. Where every couple of weeks we'll do sort of almost like what we did when it was Pop Culture Ninja, where we just pop back in and 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 do an hour or so of us talking about the things that we've been doing like this. And again, what I'd really like to be able to do next time is to have. Uh, suggestions or things you want us to talk about. If you want us to do a review of something, drop us a line. We'll review it. We'll look into it, provided that, you know, right. you're not just setting a trap. Us. Right. <laughs> I'm sure they're limited. <laughs> don't, don't send me on a, a treasure hunt to watch 10 terrible movies or, or something, but, <laughs> or play Starfleet Battles, which from my understanding is the most painful game uh, ever. Have you ever played that game, Starfleet Battles? I have not played that one, no. Are you familiar with it? I think it's like an infamous like Star Trek game that was created in the early 80s or something in the time of like 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 it was clearly made by someone who just wanted this all immersive feeling of how can i make a paper and pencil adventure and dice adventure feel like i'm on the the the, the bridge of a starship and I, I don't think it feels like that at all it feels like you're doing tax returns right um <laughs> I remember specifically a, a friend of ours coming over to the house and bringing it, and my friend Chris, who was a roommate at the time, uh, like uh, Jen and I had an excuse, so we had to go out, and I felt bad, like jumping, 
jumping out, but I also would have felt worse if I stayed. Right. So it's like one of those deals where you're like, <laughs> the guy starts bringing out, and he, Chris is sitting down there and he's trying to be a good sport. This guy starts handing him just like page and page after page of like forms. It yeah. does look like he's about to like file his taxes. And he's like, you fill this out. You get to, you get to write all the engine information about your ship and come up with its own history. And you see Chris's face just kind of like sink. <laughs> like, his, his, like, and I, I, I come, the only thing I remember is I came home after Jen and I had, had dinner, going to the movies and everything. And I come back home that evening and I come into the house and it's maybe like 10 30 or 11. And I walk through and Chris is sitting there and he's got in his, he's got a fist full of like 50 dice. <laughs> And he, I see him raise them up, and he's struggling to hold them all and just drop them, and then just scatter into this box. And then the guy's like, "Okay, tally it all up." And then Chris has to get his sheet. He starts marking it down. I'm like, "Chris, you guys have been playing for like four hours. How is it?" He's like, "This is turn one." <laughs> So I don't know if anyone's out there. If anyone out there is a fan of Starfleet Battles, I'd love to actually hear how you play it and why you enjoy it. Uh, because from what I witnessed, and to be fair, I didn't actually sit and play it. It looked super tedious. Yeah. It looked like homework the game. Yeah. And so, uh, and I like Star Trek as much as the next person. As anyone who's listened to some of the episodes knows. But I was not. No, I was. I was not doing that one. <laughs> Well, we'll have to um, we'll have to see if maybe uh, maybe what we can do is Nathan we can coordinate and maybe do something with our listeners and do do like a, a Zoom game night or something that we can. That would uh, be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So we've got you know we've got some things that we'll try to plan and work on and, and see if we can iron out some details with some of those things and uh, you know maybe for the first one make it a nice easy game like categories or something like that. Um, but you know, that, if you're playing telestrations, that's a good one. Oh, that is. Yes. That is another good one. You're right. Um, so yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to see what we can do and, uh, kind of go on from there. So, um, and anyone who has any thoughts, please drop us a line again. Probably best place to kind of, uh, handle some of this is through the discussion boards. You can always find us there. Yeah. And then of course we're on, uh, we've got the Facebook discussion board, the discussion group. And then you can get us via email and everywhere else. So, yep, absolutely. So, all right, man, this was a good episode. Not quite as long as the last one or the next one, depending <laughs> on the order that you listen to them in. But, right, uh, which everyone you have uh, a couple hours of uh, podcast to listen to. So that's right, that's right. So, all right, man. Well, until next time, we just rock the Casbah. These go to eleven. <laughs>